Welcome to The Morning Crew, a grief podcast hosted by three gals in their mid-20s. Here, talking about grief is completely normal and a part of our everyday life. So grab a cup of coffee or a drink. Grief conversations can actually be that casual. So let's talk about it. You guys all heard that. That is me popping a bottle of champagne to celebrate our one year anniversary, which is crazy to think about. Truly crazy. Yes, I cannot believe we have been recording and posting episodes for one year consistently. Um, I honestly was myself unaware that our one year anniversary was coming up until I came home to flowers and a note and I I actually have not admitted this to you guys but I was so delirious coming home from spring training that when I looked at the flowers and cast I don't know if you wrote the card or somebody wrote the card but they had boy handwriting and I read the note and it said happy one year anniversary and I had like a millisecond of thinking does somebody think like we're dating for one year or some guy playing a really mean joke on me? And then I kept reading, obviously, and it was like from you and really cute celebrating one year of the podcast. And the flowers are amazing. But that goes to show how unbelievably delirious I was and how I'm so not used to receiving flowers. No, it is so funny, Kelsey, that you said that because you guys also sent me flowers on my birthday. And I remember both times that I realized I was getting flowers. I was like, who freaking sent me flowers? Like people don't send me flowers. Like it's so, so I got them and I actually was having a fun, like Kiki back and forth with an ex-boyfriend the past weekend. So when I saw them on the security camera, I was like, who would they have been from? Would they have been from him? Would they have been from someone who, like, who did I do a favor for? And then I opened it up and I saw it was Kath and I knew it was coming up, but I know, and we kind of were joking around about it, but we kind of are like, we have an anniversary couple weeks because we don't know. We, you know, Kathy and I were talking at a certain time and you and Kathy were talking at a certain time. We actually recorded on a random time. So um, we did definitely go live with the recording of the podcast uh, right about right now. And the sweetest, most thoughtful gift giving Kathy did send the most beautiful flowers to both Kelsey and I. And Kathy, why don't you go ahead and tell the audience where you picked out those flowers from? Yes. Well, well, first of all, if 1-800-Flowers wants to sponsor us, we'll happily take that <laughs> sponsorship. So thank you to 1-800-Flowers. But specifically, the sympathy and condolences section of 1-800-Flowers, I felt like was really on brand for the flowers that I would choose for you guys. And honestly, because I was just looking for white flowers with like random specks of blue or like having blue in it because of our colors and our branding and everything. So that but those just naturally show up in the like with love and sympathy um, collection. So fun fact for everybody. And I thought that was just the perfect, most like on brand thing of of it all. So just very happy that they got delivered. No, they're not from any mysterious lovers. I'm so sorry they're from me, but I hope that they were still exciting. That was better, Kath. We're normalizing sympathy flowers, not just sympathy discussions. Exactly. Um, and the, the lovely ladies also gifted me a bottle of champagne, which is what I opened uh, the episode with popping. So Cheers. I don't know if you guys have any glasses or water around you, which is totally fine. Okay, great. Cheers. Happy one year. Thank you all for listening. And thank you to you both for going on this journey. So very excited. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Kathy, once again for the most thoughtful. I know you're, you say that your gift giving is your love language and you are so good at it. You always make me and I know Kelsey feels the same. So freaking loved with your actions. So like jokes aside, like the picture I took of the card and the flowers is like in my driveway because I just like squatted down and like had a moment with them because it just is so like it feels so nice and it feels nice to be thought of and to be loved by your friends and especially from so far away. It's all of even like the little notes and just being able to connect with you guys is so special. So happy 365, everyone. We did it. Yes, I totally echo that, that it just, it was such a crazy time and to just feel like you thought of that and we're so on top of it and it was just so sweet and it's such a nice like thing to now look at in the apartment. Um, So thank you. And just crazy to think that like 
at this time last year, we were little, I felt like podcast babies figuring out how to record. And I have never listened back to our first episode, but I'm sure the flow and the vibe just isn't quite there yet because we were just figuring each other out and how to do this. Um, So it's crazy to think that we've now published 24 episodes, I believe, in our year, which is pretty awesome. Um, And yeah, I know on social media, we're going to be sharing, I think, some moments from the year that stand out to us and some of our learnings. But fun to see just like how far we've come as friends and how far we've come as podcasters and building up uh, our listener base. Yeah, I think it's weird to think that we were strangers. Like we were podcast babies and we were also strangers. And it's just, I don't know, with anybody who is in a new relationship, friendship, whatever, it's like you go from strangers to then, well, we ended up spilling our biggest, darkest secrets (laughs) and most vulnerable moments to each other and started our friendship that way. And slowly started to learn like, oh, What's um, Mad's favorite color or what do you like to do on the weekend? So very unconventional way of getting to know people, but wouldn't have had it any other way. And so happy to know you guys as well as I do now. Yeah, that is – it is so funny. I was thinking that I wanted to go back and listen, but now I'm like, oh my gosh, do I? Is it going to be so cringy to how different we are? And not only were we spilling our secrets with each other before we really knew each other, but we were also doing it on a recorded, like worldwide able to be streamed on platform, which has been listened to in multiple countries. So like, (laughs) God knows. I don't – you know, I think that it'd be be funny for sure to go back and like pick out our fun notes, but – Man, what a ride it's been already. And just exciting to think, like, where could we be in a year from now? And, like, will we be able to, you know, keep growing and having fun guests? And we're only going to get more and more comfortable with each other. I'm super confident by the next year, Mark, we will have done our Palm Desert trip by then. I am fully committed (laughs) to that happening and us meeting Mads finally in person. I'm also manifesting that for us happening by the next year. And then I'm sure we're going to look back a year from then and be like, oh, the episode's so cringe. And just like that, we're going to keep growing. Maybe we will get a sponsor by then, whether it's 1-800-Flowers <laughs> or some other company that wants to sponsor us. We'll see. It's just funny to think what can happen in a year. Yeah. Um, also, if Vuv wants to sponsor us, oh, that would be please. amazing too. <laughs> that would be incredible. We just have to post all of these videos on social and tag them and see who's yeah. going to respond. They could be our, we could have an official drink sponsor. I mean, we'll drink one every time we record. Let's get it going, guys. Come on. Lover boy, you know. Oh I'm, my God. I am here for that. All, all Don't of get the me above. started. <laughs> we are fully here for it. Um, well, it's been a bit since we've recorded behind the scenes info. We recorded a bunch of our earlier ones this season kind of all together, in part because I go MIA uh, when I head down to spring training for work. And I have now endured that. But I feel like it's been a while since we've talked. So what has everyone been up to the last like three weeks? I feel like you should go first because you're in the thick of the spring training stuff. How has your last month been? (laughs) I think Kathy and I have been a communal of just like dog sitting and like eating and texting about Bravo. (laughs) So I think that you can really carry the lead here with the excitement because our most exciting thing is the current Vanderpump Rules drama happening. (laughs) Which Kylie, who we now know, my sister was filling me in on because I'm not a Bravo girl, but she was trying to explain to me the context of like the severity of whatever Bravo drama is happening right now. So I've gotten like whiffs of it. It is sounding like a big deal. Um, But I, yeah, spring training was pretty crazy. I won't go into like too many details, but it entails like an obscene amount of working hours. I think looking back, it was 14 days straight of working 14 to 17 hours a day was like predominantly on my feet um, and managing uh, scheduling for a group of people, about 20 people and scheduling shoots with players and coaches and balancing lots of fires that had to be put out, not literally figurative fires. Um, And it was successful. We captured a lot of content. It's always our busiest, craziest time of year. That was my sixth spring training. So I like kind of knew what to, I always know what to expect, but also each year, like my responsibility changes or evolves a little bit. We do our big 
media day with our most expensive, craziest video sets. And so there's just like a million moving pieces. One highlight is we did have our puppy day where we brought in and I coordinated 14 puppies coming to the stadium um, for players and coaches to play with. So that was exciting, but definitely takes a lot out of me. I definitely had like a crash upon my return to San Francisco Hence my deliriousness, receiving flowers, imagining that I had some boyfriend that I don't remember I have um, and I've just been like in rest and recovery mode and excited to be more in the normal rhythm of things. Um, excited that the episode with Kylie is out. That was a fun one for us to record. Um, so hopefully everyone was able to listen to that too. Well, I'm glad that you called yourself out for being so delirious. You thought you had a boyfriend for a year because I was going to do that. That's when you Um, know. I'm glad that you were able to call yourself free out on that. Um, Are you, are you like following, are you like ready to like, are you getting back in your groove? Are you able to kind of settle back in? Are you still kind of unraveling from all of the craziness? I'm like close to being back in the groove, I would say, as of like yesterday and today, um, just like normal routine, but I'm going to be still doing a good amount of work travel and personal travel this month, so bracing myself until that happens, Um, but I'm glad to hear you guys are also solid, and we did have some light texting throughout, which is always really nice and comforting. Wanting to get into our episode topic for today, thought this was going to be an interesting one. And it kind of started with Mads and I were texting about something else. And I was just doing like a check in with her. And she pretty much was saying how like things in her life were going great. And she was happy and she had a lot of fun stuff going on. And she she kind of ended it, though, was like, but I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop because her last year was just so crazy and riddled with all these crazy life scenarios, whether it was her, her family members or her friends or her community, like Mads freaking went through it last year. So it's almost as if like settling into your normalcy, like you're waiting for something bad to happen again because something bad just kept happening. So we thought that was really interesting and ties into normal life, but also ties into grief too, that when you have a massive loss in your life, we kind of feel like there's maybe one or two ways, one of two ways that you go with it is like, you either are constantly waiting for another shoe to drop, right? Like you're like, in that mindset of like, well, shit, I now know these really bad things can happen to me. I do not see the world with rose colored glasses anymore. Surely the next shitty thing is right around the corner. Or maybe there's the alternative way of like, well, the worst freaking thing has already happened to me. So screw everything. I'm just going to live my life to the fullest because what's the worst that can happen to me? Like nothing can touch me and just kind of breaking that down. But Mads, do you want to talk about kind of where that came from and how you are adjusting to your life settling down a bit this year? And like we talked about too being like, I want you to believe that you deserve not bad things happening to you and kind of like the mental gymnastics there. Yeah, um, great intro for the topic because that's exactly what it was. You were Kel- Kelsey and I were catching up, and I don't remember what started the conversation, but she asked how I was, and it's exactly what she said. And I kind of was like, I feel good and I feel at peace, but I also fe- wonder if I had this like small hint or sliver of weird feeling, and I couldn't describe it if it was guilt or if it was what it was. But I was like, something's like I'm fine, like it's fine. I'm not you know anxious about anything. Like I'm not like overwhelmed, and I don't know if that comes from like the grief process and all of the things that we discuss all the time or the really rough year or the mental health aspect of everything. But I found it was really interesting. Um, And yeah, Kelsey had some great advice and we just kind of talked through it. And I realized that there are so many times in life and in personal relational things that I really do just kind of feel like I'm almost waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it has been a really hectic year. Um, I joke around, I don't know, I'm sure with both of you, but with Kathy, I know I for sure said, like, I feel like you guys have met like the messiest version, like everything that could have gone wrong was going wrong this last bit. 
And so sometimes it's hard to like remove yourself from that and be like, no, like things like I've worked, like I'm a great person. I'm worthy of all this good stuff to happen. And like, it doesn't have to be the chaos, but when it's chaotic for so long, you can get comfortable in the chaos of it. Um, And one of the things that Kathy and I originally discussed, we were talking about this was that, and I know I've said it time and time again, but it's all, you know, about mental health and kind of what you're, what you're feeling and how you're going through it. So whenever we were talking about topics, I really thought it was a cool idea to discuss, you know, kind of waiting for that, for that feeling. And if, if me saying, for example, last year was one of the worst things that we dealt with one of the worst things I've ever had to deal with or the hardest thing. Does that just give the universe a position to like one up me? And it sounds so crazy, but like I think about the the karmic and the way that the way that things all work. And I'm like, was it was it me saying that me, me saying that I had gone through one of the hardest things we had gone through as a family? Is that like me admitting like that, you know, worst things can happen or that it's uphill from here? And I kind of have to shift my mind space. Um, and I know I just kind of unpacked a lot of topics we could touch on there, but I definitely was something that I have found parallel with like everyday life and my grief journey. Um, and whether that be the grief of people who have passed away or people I'm no longer in contact with, I think that that is a weekly like stress and dance for me to kind of figure out. And on the same note of us talking about us being strangers that met, I, I haven't said that to just anybody I see every day, but because I think that we have such an open dialogue between the three of us, I was really grateful that like when Kelsey texted me, I was able to go ahead and like be honest with it and be like, this is actually how I'm feeling, but I haven't been able to tell anybody because it just seems dramatic or whatever. Um, so I was really grateful to have that outlet and I was grateful to be able to discuss it with you, Kels. And I mean, Kath, Kels, I want to hear what both of you guys have to say. I don't know if anything comes to, to mind for you, Kath. I feel like, um, and thanks for opening up and kind of opening up this dialogue in general. I think for me, the mental health aspect of it is really intertwined as we're kind of like all mentioning here. For example, like when bad things happen to me, it's almost like I get in the negative space of like, okay, what's the next bad thing? Or like, of course this happened to me almost like as if I deserve that or, um, that, if that was bad enough, then like some another bad thing can happen again. And like, I know this is such a silly example, but like back in November when I had my week of just like shitty string of events to happen to me, I was like, how can this get worse? Like, what did I do to the world also to deserve this? That's also something like that I feel like comes with that thinking. And I'll also say, I feel like you could then get into like a fog and that fog is like, a constant metaphor. It's used, I think, a lot with um, depression and that, talking about depression. Like people get in a depressive fog, and it's really hard to come out of it. And once you're out of it, you see a lot more clearly, like that you were in a fog. But there are days that linger, and it's partly cloudy skies for a long time. And sometimes that's like your own doing. Like sometimes you're hanging on to the clouds. Like you're like, this is so terrible. Like you can't let it go. Your mind is actually doing it to yourself. Not to say that that's what you're doing or anything. I'm just saying from my experience, I've done that. And I know personally dealing with depression, I've done that a lot. And so it's like sometimes for me, the negative things that I'm expecting, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like I'm like, oh, I'm I'm going to expect a negative thing. So something negative comes my way. And of course, obviously I can control what the world does to me or what events happen in my life, but I can definitely control my outlook on it. And the, and yes, maybe another bad thing might happen, but the way I frame that of like, is it such a big deal? Am I making it a bigger deal because of my negative headspace because I've been in this fog? So now I'm like, anything that comes my way is just horrible. Or is it a little bit lighter than that because I've also faced darker storms before. So I don't know. I just think like for me, that's kind of what initially comes up is like those feelings. I'm again, personally dealing with depression. I feel like that's how I kind of see all of that. Um, but I'm curious to hear like if any of that resonates or if you have a guys have like a completely different kind of um, perspective. Um, well, first, the first question that pops in my head, Kath, because I think that all is really interesting and is relatable. Like when you use the example of your bad luck week with the tree falling on your car and your phone and, and all the things that were happening that week, 
where like something bad happens and you just explain kind of like the train of thought that your head goes through. I'm curious, flipping that, when what, what's an example of like something really good happening to you and how you process that? Like, I'm curious, like, are you then waiting for something wrong to happen immediately or do you let yourself enjoy it because some part of you thinks like finally I do deserve something good happening to me or are you neutral to it because you're just almost looking for the next bad thing like I'm very curious yeah I think um I think part of this is right my mental health and my like state in which it's in at the time that these things happen. And I think it also goes back to like when we were having that conversation of like, am I a pessimist, a realist or an optimist? And so I think I explained to everyone how I'm a pessimist and it could be related to the depression thing. I totally could, but I just, that's what my head goes to. So all to say, it's a work in progress for sure. And I think naturally for me, it's easy to hear the positive things or see a positive thing happen. And it just like fly by me. Like it just goes in one ear at the other. And it's like, I don't even concentrate on it at all. Like if I'm given like praise about our podcast, for example, like, yes, it's so amazing. and, And I do absorb it and I really try to absorb it. But it's almost like, okay, well, I'm just like, I'm still gonna do it. Like I'm just, I'm just doing it. Like I doesn't. I, I'm trying to take the time to be happy or proud of things that I've done or that good things that have happened and enjoying that and embracing it more than just letting them go by. I think that's my natural reaction, but I'm definitely progressing and working on it. No, interesting. I think that makes sense. I was just curious, and I remember that our debate about like the pessimism, optimism how that kind of sticks and how you process it that like the fixating on the bad things happening and not being able to settle in and like fully absorb like it seems like if you're a sponge like you're absorbing the bad things happening to you really deeply and you're just letting it like brush right off you if something like good happens and I think that's also like a lot of people's nature but I just like the layer of grief and mental health there and Mads with you, like how would you explain when we were texting, like the things that were feeling good. And like, when we talked about like, do you deserve to be feeling good? Like how explain kind of what your thought process was there. And if you've been able to now like marinate on that since we texted. Absolutely. I've marinated on it. Um, I, I, I went back and I read and I actually wrote down what you had texted me because I thought I would share it if that was okay with you um, For sure. on here. Um, so, and one of the things I want to touch on as well, since we're just talking about the thought process of it is like, I totally agree with Kathy and, and I just, it's tough sometimes when you are dealing with the mental health aspect of it. And so it's also very fair if you do feel like life is like throwing you like a batch of bad apples. Like I would text my friends and be like, oh my God, this just happened. And she'd be like, can you get a fucking break? And I'm like, I know. So I also feel like it kind of plays into each other. Um, And I try not to, I try not to, because I do believe in very much of like, you know, expect good, good's going to happen. You get what you give. And so it's very hard for me when I'm not in the space. And it's also really easy for me to get comfortable in that space because it's so familiar to me. Um, And so guiltily, I think I did, but also in real life, there were some really hard things to go through um, in the past year. And so the thought process when you were texting me was actually, I think that was one of the first times I really had just like actually slowed down and thought about it. Um, I feel like I just go, go, go so much. And, you know, we have this and we're in a different time zones and all of the things. And so I feel like a lot of time it's really hard for me to slow down, which is something I'm working on this year as well. It's just like slow down and enjoy things. Um, so I really think that Kelsey, when we were talking, that was the first time I had really realized it or vocalized it at least like enough to say it out loud. Um, and when, when we were talking about this, you said something and you said a few things that I knew, but it was nice to hear you say. And one thing that you said, you said, you kept saying just like to repeatedly, like you said, like S H H H that thought and like, stop giving it back into your brain. Um, and then you were talking about how I really should work on like internalizing that like things deserve to be good. And I feel like it's so easy for me to do that with you guys and my sister and everyone, but it's like, I'm awesome. Like, I'm really good at what I do at work. Like, I have my house. I do all the things by myself. Like, why do I not give myself that credit that I give all of the other people? Um, So it was an interesting kind of 
going up and down. And also, I mean, I live alone, so we've talked about that, but like I have a lot of time to think on my hands. And so sometimes it does me good. Sometimes it does me bad. Um, but I think that really just being able to, yeah, agree. Like I deserve to have good things. And guess what? If I do stick to my goals and I do read the books that I want to read or do whatever it is or work on my sourdough starter, like all of the things that I can do to like help myself do more of is also like helping keep me on the path to having good things happen when I'm not just like, you know, scrolling on TikTok for extra long. And of course you'll do that. Um, and I know I did touch on in our New Year's episode that I'm a very big like believer and it just helps me with my brain process to like new things start on Monday or Sunday and the new year is a new time to start new habits. And so who knows, maybe that's part of it. But just looking back, especially as we were reflecting on our year and kind of thinking of like from February of this year to February of last year, how much has changed and how much um, loss I've actually had to deal with in the past year, not not by death by any means, but but surely of um, some people that were in my life or some situations that had changed quite a bit. And so I was thinking of that when I was working on some of our one year stuff, which got me to think that, and I, I, I mean, Kelsey, do you think that there's, do you, do you have that thought? Do you have that monologue? Do you think back at like, oh, this year or two years ago or three years ago when mom was alive? Like, do you think about things like that? And how do they, do you think that they change back into your grief process? Or do you think that, do you have some of those that are just more on an, a daily basis where you kind of can be reminded of those things? Yes, I definitely have that monologue and it helps or it like distorts time a little bit. Like what I've run into is so like if you think about like what us as a society experience as like a collective shitty time, everyone thinks about COVID, right? Like the initial lockdown, everyone was like scared, confused, didn't know what was happening. You have racial injustice. It was just like, right, everyone, this mentality we're talking about of like waiting for one bad thing to fall after another was like exemplified in 2020. And we like all collectively shared that experience, right? But since my mom passed away, that time has fully reframed in my brain because that time was now quality time I spent at home with my mom that I wouldn't have gotten had COVID lockdown not happened. So that's like a very common monologue that pops up because it still is very common to hear people say like pre-COVID or back during the heart of COVID or during lockdown or can you believe like because we're coming up also on the three-year anniversary any day now of when lockdown initially happened. So it's confusing for me because people talk about that as such like a finite timeline that like my mom was alive during COVID because it was such a weird time and that COVID didn't end up being that bad of a thing in my head. And obviously I'm very lucky that I didn't have anyone immediately like deeply impacted or passed away from COVID. So I was, it was just the kind of standard lockdown stuff. But now looking back, like obviously the era of like my mom's really sharp health decline and passing away is now like I can't believe now I'm coming up like this summer on two years and hitting the two year mark and things like how far I have to go back in a camera roll when I'm looking at pictures to like when she was in pictures and things like that kind of give that time. But in terms of like waiting for the other shoe to drop and maybe it does go back to the optimism, pessimism discussion, I don't think on a daily basis I'm waiting for something bad to happen. I also don't necessarily think I'm constantly waiting for something amazing to happen. I maybe live in more of a neutral place. And I think I do live more in the like, what, like life, what else do you have for me? Like fucking throw it my way because I've already dealt with the worst thing and I'll be able to handle whatever else is thrown at me. So I'm almost maybe desensitized to like lesser bad things because I'm just like, meh not that big of a deal anymore. COVID-19, like the initial lockdown, eh, don't look at that as like a big deal anymore because my perspective totally shifted. And I also want to try your sourdough bread. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Yeah. So once, once you make something, just, you know, see if some overnight shipping can come to California, but sorry, Kat, go ahead. No, I was going to say there's so many things I wanted to touch on on what you just said. Um, but the first kind of being like, so for me, the the time stamping 
isn't as present in my head because it's just so long ago, right? So like my sense of that inner dialogue isn't happening for me anymore. It's just, it's been so long that life is just life now. Like blurs together. Yeah, it kind of all blurs together. Not to say I don't have the anxiety sometimes of things going the wrong way. I agree with you in terms of like um, the worst thing has happened to me, but I want to touch on that a little bit and maybe and so other things aren't as um, aren't as big of a deal. But I want to touch on that later. I actually wanted to touch on COVID because I think something that was really interesting during that time, and this is going to sound like one of those grief selfish moments of like a griever, is that I kind of, again, I don't want this to sound terrible, but we're all about being honest and open with our feelings here, even when they can come off negative. But it almost felt a little bit comforting, like having people to or seeing people dealing with grief for the first time, not in terms of loss by any means. I mean, grief of like life. It almost felt like it was a little bit more relatable with people and I could like and I also felt like a person that I could speak to and like as a resource for some of those people because whether it was grief of and I'm not talking about grief of like someone passing because I think that's that's a different bucket. I'm talking about grief of like g- being able to do certain things or seeing certain people like your family and things like that. I think it just became such a more universal feeling and I felt like I could be like a uh, oh my God, what do you call it? Sounding board? Sounding board. Yes, thank you. Um, For those people, because I had similar parallels with my own grief experience. So that's just something that I thought, I don't know if any of you guys thought anything about that, but selfishly, that's something I thought about. Um, it's absolutely something I thought about, Kath. And I know that we t- we t- we um, match up very often about our feelings or experiences with certain things because I know that we both struggle with um, depression, as you mentioned earlier in the episode. Um, and I feel like I felt the same way almost to a part where – and not – and it's again, it's hard to say it because I didn't think like, oh, I'm glad everybody feels this way. But I almost felt that I was I – was I was glad that people could see what it feel. I feel like a lot of times like depression does kind of feel like you're locked down and that you're shut out from everybody and you can't go do things. And like my anxiety even sometimes like will not have me go to the grocery store. Like I have to Instacart groceries on a really bad day. So it was almost nice to kind of see just people as a whole kind of whether it was get more comfortable with each other or be more real with themselves or stopping so reliant. I mean, I could go, we could go on about this, but there was something that was mirrored back to the feelings that I have. And it was almost nice because it did give everybody that I got to quarantine with my mom. Um, and I know that like there were times, like I think that that time was really, really special and beneficial for us, obviously not as much as, as, as Kelsey. And I'm very grateful that you had that experience. But I just I was able to spend that time and actually sit down and be like, here's where I'm at at 25 years old, where I haven't been able to slow down and just like have this conversation with my mom, however long. So um, I was really grateful for that time. Um, Kath, what you said, I want to kind of piggyback off and ask you a question. And do you remember a time or an age or a situation where you realized that you were like, I got this with grief or I can be this way because you did have to kind of grow up or deal with those big feelings when you were so young? Or do you think that there was like a specific instance or something like COVID when you were like, I can lead you this way because I already know it? I think because I was so young, there weren't a lot of people around me where I felt like I could be a support for them um, because it was just not as common. I think I've talked about having a support group in my high school and we all were kids of a parent or sibling that had passed. And so we all related to one another. By no means do I think I was an expert like telling people how it's going to go because I myself was learning a lot through their experiences and their dynamics and everyone has different family dynamics. Um, So I think like maybe COVID was like the first time that I felt like, oh, I can actually have something to say. And also to to note, this podcast came up in COVID, the idea, right? And that was something that a lot of people, when I brought up the idea to them was like, a lot of people need this right now because they did just lose somebody due to this pandemic. So it's even more critical of a resource right now. 
And so just to add on to all of that, but I don't think that there was like a certain time. I think maybe COVID actually like put a spotlight on me allowing to maybe help people in this regard. Um, I don't think it was the only reason, but I do think that it played a role in this podcast creation and me being more open to talking to people about it. And I think as I'm getting older, unfortunately, there are more people that are experiencing it. And I do think that I'm, I'm honestly a little bit grateful and I don't mean this to like shade anybody, but I'm a little bit more grateful that I've had the years to deal with it and get such a grasp on it. And I'm always learning, but now I can actually talk to people about it because if someone approached me today to talk about it and I hadn't gone through what I've gone through in my journey with grief and learning, then I don't know if I would be as well equipped to talk to them about it. No, I think that's super interesting. And just like all the things coming up when talking about COVID and also a good reminder that the podcast ideation came during COVID. But just thinking of like, just as a society, how much it rocked everyone in some way and turned life upside down. But I think the point you guys were making is so interesting and so honest. And I don't think should like, you know, insult anyone that it like in some of the deepest moments of depression or anxiety, what life was during lockdown is what life would be like during those times. And that there was a comfort in knowing like the world's collectively was doing that together and enduring that together. And I've never thought about it that way. But I think that that's a super interesting way to look at that time. I, because I hadn't been one to experience massive grief, I had lost my grandfather, but otherwise I would say like Kath, how you were saying it was like for a lot of people kind of like a a big first time of like life being really upended. Um, I would say I was probably, I would consider myself in that camp um, and just kind of going through it all. And I was very lucky that I kept my job and I had a place to go. Like I had a very like, nice quote unquote like all in all COVID experience obviously now made sweeter knowing the quality time spent. Um but I think it did teach everyone like Mads to your point about having to slow down, having to pause, having to reframe. Like none of us had paused or stopped. And I think we all gained some form of resiliency from COVID. And I think like if you'd already been through a lot, maybe less so, but if you hadn't really had your life ever shaken up in that way. I think it gave people more of an understanding and empathy of what life would be like with something lost and changed. And there is people, and I think we've talked about this in way earlier episodes of like grieving what your life was like before COVID versus after COVID. And for some people that's a lot longer, whether that's a physical effect or people you lost or lifestyle you lost. Um, And I'm sure like society is going to be kind of like grappling with that and analyzing that for many years to come since we're only at the three year mark like and obviously of course like COVID did not disappear I'm just referring to like that initial shock and like lockdown crazy moment that we all endured together um I would say Mads if we're looking at like I actually wanted to ask you about one other thing when in terms of like control you made a comment a little while ago about like when you're doing things that make you feel good, like you're doing your workout classes, you're using your sourdough starter, you feel like when you do those little things, bigger good things come. And I wanted to ask you more about that. And I think it's interesting to think of like, like you were also both saying like how much is like the universe or just like things out of your control of like bad or good things happening to you. And how much do you think is in your control when you're like, if I'm doing these things to take care of myself, Or if I'm doing like the whole put your oxygen mask on first concept, then more good things happen to me. Like, I'm curious your thoughts on on that as you were kind of explaining, Mads. Um, Absolutely. I'm having a hard time in my brain even trying to think about it without relating it back to as we do mental illness and depression, because I something I really, 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 really deal with pretty, pretty heavily. Um, But I think that I think that sometimes there are there are instances where there are things I know I want to do and I know I want to, you know, I want to be this person. I want to be the girl who does yoga all the time. I want to, you know, do all the things that sometimes it's very hard to. 
Um, and so I feel like kind of just being, being able to not, I always kind of, I always want to expect good things to happen and kind of, you know, it's like putting it out there and bringing it back. But I always kind of have this weird, like Casey Musgraves, happy, sad song feeling in my going on. Um, so I feel like it's easier sometimes when I can slow down to be able to be like, okay, I know if I go do yoga, it's going to help me do those things and help me be the person I want to be and help me make all these changes or whatever it is, or stand up on my surfboard this summer. But it's also interesting because there are some times where it's like I can do all the things and it's still I still can't get out of that space or I still feel that way. Um, and so sometimes it's hard because I'm like, well, I'm not going to put in all this effort and do all this stuff or do this if you know, it's just not gonna not gonna happen or not gonna fall through because you know, bad things happen. And so as much as I do very much agree with the sentiment that it's like, it's what you put out. And it's like, give back, like put out positive, get back positive. And you have to kind of think on the optimist side of things. For some people, it's really hard to do that. And so I want to be transparent with the fact that like on my best day, I'm like, I'm an optimist, it's going to be all the good things. But sometimes when you're dealing with some internal stuff, whether it be a mental illness or grief or a heartbreak or something that you can't really fully see the full picture of and especially if you're dealing with it by yourself and you don't feel like you can talk about it. Um, It can be really hard to be that person. But I know ideally I feel, and I still do, if I'm having a rough day or I think I texted you, Kels, when we were talking about it and I was like, I just did hot yoga. And I was like, if I do something that kind of gets me to work out of it. So I do think that having um, those skills and those like tactics are kind of smart to have when you're in those situations. Um, But yeah, it's kind of, kind of the thought process goes goes down like that kind of see what I can do if I'm able to do it kind of just being able to talk about it like even writing down like I wrote down what you said whenever you said it and like being able to just like sit there with it and be like this is you know it's true like I need to internalize these thoughts um so I kind of do an inward approach about it um but yeah that was a good question no I think that's also interesting to hear the inner dialogue and yes it's so intertwined with mental health um in every way and like the little things usually do add up but it's never possible to like consistently like you said be the quote-unquote yoga fucking influencer like who works out and drinks green juice every day all the time I also just wanted to make the point that in my mind I don't necessarily think being an optimist is always good like I don't want to make that distinction that like optimism is good and pessimism is bad like I don't personally feel that way I would say like while I lean more optimistic like I think that can also mean that I am in denial or avoiding bad things which isn't always the healthiest either because I'm like I've already processed a lot of bad things so I just don't have the energy or time to acknowledge that someone else can get sick and COVID can hit somebody else and this and that. And that's not always like healthy either. So sometimes my optimism does come through as like, okay, I'll focus on the positive. Like I can, like if you give me any situation right now, if we did a lightning round, I can spin anything you guys tell me and make it sound positive. Like I can do that, but that's not always healthy because that's not like real life. And you have to also be able to like deal with the real things and not be avoiding the bad things. So I just really want to make that distinction that I don't always think optimism is the best path forward. I'm sure just as like with anything, a happy medium of realism, pessimism, optimism, like depending on the situation, all of those things apply. But I do not want to paint some like fucking angel devil (laughs) dichotomy there because that is not how I feel. (laughs) No, I, I I agree with the happy medium for sure. And I think it's a, more about like just perspective and outlook and just like where your mind is at in general. Like, and I think one of the things that keeps coming up in my brain and when we're having this conversation is I may not necessarily be waiting for the shoe to drop. I think sometimes that happens as you're getting out of the fog, as I said, like in the beginning and the freshness of it all. I am 16 years out. Like I'm not, that's not on my brain every day. Yes, I have anxiety about some things. Um, And again, I think I'll touch on that a little bit later, but it's more of like perspective of what you were saying before. Like I went through this really tough thing. And so when something else shitty comes your way, you're like, well, 
my I've worn I've gone to battle already like I've already like I've known that I've been able to fight this battle and I mean the grief battle not a battle with death because nobody wins that battle unfortunately but I mean like your own journey you've already gone to battle so you're wearing your protective gear almost innately at all cost like at all times and so that has better prepared me to deal with these with these other things um and I'm not saying optimism is bad either or or good. I'm just saying it's not it's not about that at all. I just think it's like when something happens to you, it's like how am I put from my perspective, it's how am I protective from this or how am I protecting myself and what do I need to do to protect myself or feel safe in this situation rather than like seeing maybe like what the learning lesson is or what the like the bright spot of it is or something like that. For me, it goes to like well, I dealt with this. So this is like how I would approach this because of my past experience and my quote unquote battle. So Kath, since you are the most experienced griever in this uh, group, do you, do you, can you think of a way or tools or kind of, um, what does that defensive gear look like if you're talking to the listeners or if you're talking to me and Kels, like what kind of what, what tactical practical skills, tips, tricks, what, where does that kind of look like? I think that is a very good question. And I wish I had more time to prep for it. But I'll (laughs) give you my what I can give now. And I think this is tools I've learned in therapy, for sure. I'm not just gonna say I just like pulled this out of my ass, because I didn't like, I definitely had a professional help me get through these things. But I think it's in the moment, like in the heat of things, even when I'm having like, a confrontation with somebody or something really shitty happens, like the first thing that I do is journal everything that's on my mind, like get it all out what you actually truly feel like, don't be dishonest with yourself. If you feel like you want to, if you're feeling mean, like quote unquote mean, but you don't consider yourself a mean person, like write out your mean thoughts or like, those are something, some things I've had to like, learn to just like be true to like what you're feeling in that moment. Because later on, you'll be more rational, you'll be able to like handle it all. But like, I think just being really open and honest with yourself, and then letting it all out, because it also can be like a clusterfuck of emotions in your brain. And for me, it's easier to like, I almost like organize them. I'm just a very like black and white thinker, as we all know. So it feels like I'm like, have a file cabinet in my head, and I'm trying to file away like, all of these different emotions that I'm feeling, because when it gets complicated, it is just hard to deal with. And you need to like unwind them from each other to figure out what exactly you're feeling. So I would say that's number one. And then once you do that, you kind of have time to like reflect on that and think a little bit more rationally once it's out of your head and your heart. Because I think if you act, react, or act on those initial heat of the moment, like feelings or thoughts, like I have learned my lesson that things do not go um, the right way or the way that I would have wanted them to. So I think that that's just like kind of my my first thought with that in terms of like that's something, a protective gear or protective um, mechanism that I think that I do. And I think just in general, going back to we reminding ourselves that we all went through something really, really shitty in our lives and really difficult to deal with. So is the problem at present as bad as the thing that we have dealt with in the past? It's probably not. And like, and I hate to like pull out that card because I don't want to say that our feelings aren't valid in those moments because I've also had to go on the opposite end and be like, it's okay to feel bad about something just because you lost your dad. Like, it's okay that a breakup hurts really, really badly or that a friend, friend like argument or fight really, really hurts, even though you've dealt with something so much worse. Like I've had to normalize those feelings, but I do think that there's something to say about thinking bigger picture. What have you gone through? Like that is so tough and continuously to remind yourself, like you have that fortitude within you. That's definitely a really great bag of tricks um, and armor rundown. Um, So I appreciate that. Even you pulling it out on the spot. Mads, I'm glad you asked. Because Kath is our like veteran griever and does have like years and years of experience kind of battling, battling this. Um, uh, Yeah, no, the eldest in the group, but no, not, not, not (laughs) much. Um, No, I think the like 
journaling and getting everything out so then you can start dissecting it. I know some people have like connotations with journaling. Like some people love it. Some people are annoyed by it. I really encourage anyone who has found journaling to be annoying in the past to like try to push through that or like give it a little try. Cause like, I don't think you have to like journal every single day or anything, but I do find it extremely helpful. Like you said, when you do have a lot of emotions intertwined or you're going through a difficult problem, or if you have depression or anxiety moments that are heightened, like getting it onto paper, like there is scientific knowledge backing up and studies. I know that we are not just saying this, like that getting it out on paper is just a way to like, it it becomes some goes from something that is just floating around in your head to something like tangible that you can see. And like you said, start making like reflections, strategies, ways to attack what's happening. Um, So I feel like that's a good takeaway to kind of like wrap things up on and to like leave people with as like, I know we kind of went all over the place. And I do think all of our perspectives are different in this a little bit, which I think is important to like share and bounce around and how grief and mental health and our perspectives on life do change and evolve. And of course, with age anyway, they would change and evolve. But we all have been thrown like very specific curveballs that have like shifted how we view those things. So I think that that is interesting. And like, during the low times or during the times where you do feel caught up in one bad thing after another bad thing after another bad thing, like, I would also add like, if you feel like you are in one of those strings, taking things truly one day at a time or like one hour at a time, I feel like also feels more um, doable to just get through. Like I know like my family has already been asked for like advice, like sadly when other families have gone through something different. And I know my dad will always like go back to that because like during the depths of the hardest times, like taking things truly like what, what needs to happen this hour, what needs to happen the next hour. Um, But when you're out of like the heat of bad and you're just kind of going through life, like leaning into and remembering that, like, just because you went through something bad, you said, if other smaller bad things happen, they're valid. But also having that greater perspective and like wanting and welcoming good things to happen and not thinking, oh, I'm just waiting for something bad to happen and enjoying it. Yeah, that was a great point, Kels, and also great um, explanation for not having time to prepare Kath for my question. Um, and, and it kind of rings me to my to what I think and what I we say all the time. It's why we started the podcast, why I talked to Kelsey about this when I was having this issue. And Kathy, other days when I was at work and I had to get stuff out, it's like, I always say this to my friends. It's like, there's a long quote that ends up with it saying, but it's like, we walk each other home and like, we get through everything together. Like we get through life together. Like we can figure this out. Um, So if there is to anyone listening, having a time where you feel like, you know, you do need some of those tools, you know, we walk each other home. If you don't have the people to text, you could borrow me or my Kelsey or my Kathy. Um, I know that I speak for them. I'm sure when I say like the whole reason we did this is because we get through life together. Um, so in that sense, I'm very grateful for, you know, the two of you, but also grateful that we've been able to make this community because I really do think that, you know, in all aspects of life, like we're meant to get through it together. We're not meant to get through it alone. Um, although sometimes it feels kind of nice when you do, um, but it, it's, it's good across the board. And so I wanted to make sure that I made a note of saying that, you know, if you don't have the person, like I say, I'm grateful. I could text Kelsey when she asked me this, like DM me or text me or one of the other girls. Um, we could definitely, I, myself, and I'm pretty sure the other two could speak for, you know, wanting to open up this, this, this chat to kind of make sure you guys all kind of have your, your people to be able to talk to when you do have those moments. Definitely. I feel like we all feel like we could be resources for anyone that feels that type of way. Um, I did just want to note, and we could do a whole nother episode on this, but I know I feel like I kept alluding to something, but I think that there is one thing I do want to say is like the quote unquote anxiety of losing another person in your life. And I think, um, again, I think a whole episode could be on this topic in itself, but I do think that that is something instead of like the shoe waiting for the shoe to drop, I think more so my mind goes to when will that time come? How will that time come? What will happen? Even having experienced it for myself. So like, I think about, I can't, I do constantly think about 
like <laughs> the anxiety of the next worst thing that could possibly happen. And I don't want to say that there is a hierarchy of grief, but I think that there is a some societal hierarchy in terms of like what is quote unquote the worst loss or, and of course, every loss is, every loss is terrible and every loss hurts really bad. But it's like, I feel like there's been this societal like idea that, that like losing a child is probably like the worst human loss. And so I think about like, and it's dark, but I think about what would I do then? Like I've, I've reached like this level of it and it's like, what would happen if I had to go to the next level or something like that? Or what would happen if, or what will happen when, and if I lose my mom, like I, those ideas. And I think thoughts, I know it's a little dark and I don't want to end on that, but I just feel like those are the shoes that I'm waiting to drop. No, I'm glad you brought that up. And I think that's super valid. And we did not hit on that. But I think a lot of people who've experienced a big loss, like have to relate to is kind of like, once you've opened the box of like, what it looks like, you now can start imagining, unfortunately, that much more of like, what it's going to be like when all the other people in your life who are close to you pass away, because you've been able to like visualize it and live it and now know what it's like. It's not this hypothetical thing. So I totally get that and relate to that. And I'm sure a lot of people who've lost someone can get that. And I think even people who've not just like, as we grow up and people watch their parents age, like you hear about that, that people like start getting anxiety of like what it's going to be like when their parents pass away. Or I wonder if any of you know, my friends who are my age, like when my mom passed away that they were close to, they started getting anxiety of what it's going to be like when they lose one of their parents. And it's like, it is a little taboo to talk about because it is so dark and shitty and sad. And like, you don't want to put energy thinking about it. But I think that's super real. Um, and an anxiety that I think it is definitely present. I mean, yeah, you talk about losing a child, like anytime you see that, or anytime you see somebody else have a loss, I think it's common to think like, oh my God, I couldn't imagine what that would feel like. But if you've already been through a loss, you kind of can start to imagine like not fully, obviously, but like a fraction of what that could feel like. So I agree that a whole other episode could be done on just like, once you experience one loss, the anxiety you feel of the hypothetical, sadly not, but like what it's going to feel like when you lose other people close to you. Um, Because yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up, Kath. It is sad, but it is very real and unfortunately relatable. Yeah, I I definitely agree um, and echo that. And there are so many other questions that come up like we're talking about. So I do definitely think we can highlight that feeling and that thought um, because it's a big one. And so I'm I'm glad that you said that because I know that sometimes like Kelsey said, it's taboo and it's hard to talk about. You didn't even really know how to say it. You're like, because it's hard. Like you don't want to, you don't want to say it or be that you know, kind of have that narrative, but it's something that we all think about or feel, at least I know I do. So um, I'm glad that you you said that and, and laid that groundwork for sure. For a future episode, I think we're a lot to unpack um, in that whole topic. But regardless, I'll let Closey, Kelsey, close us out. I just said Closey. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, to end on a slightly happier note, um, just a quick follow-up, Mad. So is it just bread that you make with a sourdough <laughs> starter or there's other things that you can make too? Like I know people make sourdough cookies or like different types of pastries. Just like paint me the picture of like what else you bake and then I'll close us out just to end on like a little happier note. I'm so glad that my sourdough starter is getting the spotlight she deserves. Um, so right now I'm only making bread. I recently went to a market this weekend and the girl there was making sourdough bagels and she gave me her card and said we could talk and she could help me with some tips. Um, this was, this is my new year's resolution for this year, one of them. And so my mom and I started doing it, um, in January, right before Hawaii. And now I've made quite a few pretty successful loaves. So as of now, I'm trying to still master bread. I was about to graduate, but my last loaf kind of went downhill. So uh, I'll keep you all updated because it is very exciting. But I, 
so far we're a bread loaf girl. The next step I think is a bagel situation, but there are so many things we could do. And since we're talking about her, her name, my sourdough starter's name is Marianne and my mom has her sister Wanda from Earl Had to Die by the Dixie Chicks. (laughs) That's incredible. We love a good Dixie Chicks reference to end and now I'm going to be dreaming of what a sourdough bagel would taste like. So thank you for that very important update. Um, Thank you everyone for listening as always. Um, Please share with a friend, rate, review, give us feedback, ask us questions. As we said, we're also fully here as support and resources. Our morning crew and our personal Instagrams DMs are open if anyone ever just like wants to talk to somebody neutral or a friend or anything like that. So we are here. We appreciate you all. Once again, happy one year, you guys. Pretty amazing. We've been doing this for a year and hope next year is just as great. Yay. Thanks, everybody. Bye.